I'm really looking forward to speaking to you this morning. Um, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, my name's Laura. I may have met you before. I've been at the church for about 11 years, um, along with my husband, Isaac, who is uh, he's working at the moment. Um, I am a mother to a four-month-old baby called Theo, and I'm really, really blessed to have my mother-in-law here looking after Theo. So thanks so much, Julie and Theo. If you could just behave yourself, that would be great. Um, maybe sleep, actually. That would probably be the best thing you could do, or take notes, possibly. Um, and I am an English teacher I'm in a big comprehensive school um, in an area of Bristol called Mangotsfield, and I've been doing that for seven years, um, and going back in April to do that. Um, and I have to say um, that uh, since being a mum, I have never felt so intensely fathered um, by God, um, and nor have I felt my need for him so much in that since, uh, since being a mum. Um, I didn't think I could be sort of more out of my depth than when I was an NQT at a really rough school in Bristol, um, but, but now I can be. I've been floored by a four-month-old baby. Um, <laughs> And I never thought that would happen, but it has. And uh, I have to say as well, I've never seen God's provision for me so consistently um, and just him providing for me every day and every need I've had. Um, I had a really difficult day last week. Through the post came uh, a book of the, uh, the Psalms in a modern translation. Um, a girl who used to come to this church called Sarah McAlpine I had no idea I was struggling, really. Just sent me those psalms and texted me and said, Laura, read Psalm 46 today. You need to read that today. And I clung to those words all week, actually. Um, and just, yeah, God's been, God's been providing for me. He's been very, very good to me. Um, and my prayer is that uh, through me speaking to you um, and you hearing the words of Jesus' teaching in this parable, that you will uh, understand afresh your need for God and that you'll understand that uh, he's there for you with open arms, ready to receive you. Um, and uh, yeah, so Ronke is going to read the passage for us. I think it should be on the screen as well. Okay, thanks Ronke. So I'll be reading um, Luke 15, verses 11 to 31. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating out of, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. 
Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. He came near the house and heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, What's, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and, you, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Okay, that's great. Um, it looks like it wasn't on the screen actually so if you want to turn in your Bible it would be useful um, to uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 11 just for reference as I, as I go through this um, this parable was told by Jesus to two very distinct and very different types of people we have the uh, sinners and the tax collectors who are intensely attracted to Jesus they know there is a welcome there they just they love to hear him. And then we have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who outwardly look so much more impressive and they're actually spe spending their time muttering and annoyed, offended by Jesus' welcome of these tax collectors and sinners. And in that parable, these two different types of audiences are very much reflected by the response to the father that the two sons have. Um, so we have the wayward son who asks for his inheritance early, which strikes me as rather offensive in its own right, doing that, um, and squanders uh, the wealth and then goes back to the father. And then, of course, we have the older son right at the end um, who is very, very cross that he has been so faithful. And I think quite a telling word there, he's slaved away um, and, and very offended by the father's love. Um, I'm going to be making three points um, in the next 15-20 minutes and then we're going to have a little response time um, and uh, yeah I came to this passage and thought goodness I've been at church my whole life I've heard this parable so many times what can I bring what can I bring that's going to be different and and useful and helpful and I felt God just uh, very quickly actually didn't have to prepare this for very long which is a real blessing because I don't have much time at the moment. Um, he gave me three points very quickly to bring so, um, so I'm going to bring them. Okay. So uh, first of all we're just going to look at verse 14. The first point I want to make is about the wayward son. We see in verse 14 um, we're told that there is a severe famine and he begins to be in need having squandered all his inheritance on wild living. And as I read this, um, it struck me straight away that at this point, when there is a famine and he begins to be in need, that you might have expected him to go back to his father then. You might have expected him to say, oh my goodness, this is a nightmare, goodness, I've been so silly. Right, off I go back, you know, head hung in shame. But he doesn't. What he actually does is tries to sort it out himself. He continues on the path um, all the way 
to feeding the pigs, not just feeding the pigs, being envious of the food that the pigs have, the very, very bottom, and really pigs being the most unclean animals in that culture. I really think that's quite interesting. I think it's interesting that it took him to that place for him to come to his senses. And I actually quite like that phrase, he came to his senses, because I think that is how it feels when we run away from God and suddenly we just decide, we just, my goodness, what am I doing? It's quite a quick thing quite often. It's quite a sort of a wrenching of the heart. But it takes him longer than it necessarily should have done, I think, to come back to God. And I wonder what place you're in right now. I, I know some of you, but I don't know your heart. God knows your heart, I don't really. And I wonder, perhaps you're maybe in a place where you're, I suppose, metaphorically, not far from feeding those pigs. Maybe you're in a a cycle of sin. Maybe you're in a, a place where actually you felt the nudge of encouragement to go back to him. You felt, okay, things aren't going right, I need to go back to him. But actually, what you've done instead is carried on down the road, carried on trying to work it out for yourself rather than go back to your father. I wonder what stops this son going back to his father. Um, I can think of a few things that might have stopped him going back, namely embarrassment, first of all, the embarrassment to have to go back, having so eagerly wanted the money and so drastically failed in in stewarding that money. Um, But I wonder, possibly, maybe there's a stubbornness there as well. Maybe the will to go back isn't quite there yet. Maybe actually um, the son is thinking, Okay, I know in my head it's probably best to go back, but my heart isn't quite at the place where I'm ready to receive my father's welcome. Maybe maybe it was all those things. And actually, it hasn't been the memory verse, has it? We were going to do a memory verse, and did did we do it? And I was out? No, we didn't do it. Okay, well, this this was the memory verse. I'm just going to mention it. Um, That in Psalm 51, David says, God will not reject a heart that is broken and sorry for its sin. And I know sometimes in my life, my head has known, go back to God, Laura, and my heart hasn't been in the same place as my head. My heart is in a stubborn, willful place. And this might be a watershed moment for you today. It might be that you know in your heart right now that God is speaking to you and urging you to humbly go back to your Father God knowing that God is not going to reject a heart that is broken and sorry for its sin. You may even be in the place today where you might want to ask God to be broken and sorry for your sin, because sometimes even though we know we're in the wrong, we don't actually feel very sorry about it. And you know, you can do that. You can know you're in the wrong, but you don't actually feel that bothered. Yeah, okay. So I have that a lot with... (laughs) with Isaac, (laughs) with my friends, generally. But I wonder today if this is the time for you to come humbly before your God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This son in our parable, 
he recognizes the poverty of his situation. I think he recognize it, n recognizes it not just physically and materially, he recognizes it in his heart. He recognizes that he has a poor spirit. Actually, the world would say that's rather a degrading place to be, to have a poor spirit. The world would say, oh, that's a bit embarrassing, actually, and you're a bit helpless, aren't you? Yes, you are. You, we are helpless. Those people inherit the kingdom of God, okay? So being poor in spirit and recognizing your need for God and recognizing that he will not reject a heart broken and sorry for its sin is exactly the place uh, where actually he will lift you up, where he will exalt you. He exalts the humble in spirit. He exalts the poor in spirit. Which leads me on to my second point about the Father. As we uh, heard, and I think actually I, I got this more from James's version of the story actually, um, telling the children, but the Father, he holds no grudges at all. He holds absolutely no grudges. I find this absolutely remarkable. We're told in verse 20, he sees his son coming from afar. He's filled with compassion. He runs to him, throws his arms around him. His son states he's no longer worthy to be his son. Now, his father fattens the calf and holds a feast. You see, in just complete juxtaposition, those two things. I know as a Christian, I would think, okay, yes, you can come in, but you're going to work for that. You're going to work for my love. There's no way that you're just, there's no way we're feasting together on the same night. Definitely not. Come and work as a servant, and then in a few years' time, we'll see. But no, it's not like that. It's not like that. Do you know, it's like that in the world, so we think the Father God's like that, but it's not like that with God. His love is breathtaking. It's absolutely astonishing. It reminds me of that verse in Psalm 145 where he says he's slow to anger. David recognizes that God is slow to anger and he is rich in love. And it reminds me of Corinthians where we see that love keeps no records of wrongs and it always hopes and it always protects and it always trusts. And the Father's love in this story and God's love is really like this. So if you're nervous about coming to him, then I think we have the answer here. He's going to welcome you because he will not reject a heart that is broken and sorry for its sin. When I read this part, and when I read about this Father God, it reminds me of my own mum, actually, a little bit. My mum is a Christian um, with, very, with many admirable qualities and many annoying qualities as well. She's, she's just a typical mum. They sort of always go hand in hand, those two things, I find, with mums. And uh, she... One of her best qualities, one of her best qualities is that she doesn't really hold grudges, my mum. She doesn't. I remember going to Cornwall when I was seven, and I really can't remember, I think I was refused an ice cream. There was some injustice of some sort, I can't quite remember it. I was refused an ice cream. I have three siblings and a lovely dad, and uh, I have a lovely, very, I have a very nice family, actually, and I ruined the day. We went to Land's End for the day, and I screamed, and I tantrumed, and I, I, ru I ruined it. Every, everybody was really fed up. It's amazing how you remember little looks, even as an adult. You kind of remember sort of a bit of a despair look <laughs> of my siblings seeing me. I'm the youngest, of four, so maybe it was that. But 
And uh, my mum had to drive me home. Right, you know, Mark, okay, you, you take the kids, you have a nice day, Laura's ruining it, just take her home, please take her home. Okay, so my mum went home with me, we went to the cottage, and I went upstairs and I slammed the door. My mum sat down in the kitchen, and I remember screaming pleasantries down to her, such as, I hate you, you know, you're so mean, I can't stand you, I wish I'd ever been born into this family, various other things, quite a willful child, actually, I think. Um, and Isaac's quite stubborn too, so Theo doesn't really have a chance to run it. Um, and my mum sat there, and I remember coming to my senses. I remember that. I remember slumping on the floor, miserable, exhausted, and just feeling really quite sorry. Just, oh, gosh, really sorry about that. And going down to my mum and saying sorry, and I remember her hugging me. I remember her loving me and her saying, it's, it's okay, it's, it's okay. Yeah, totally accepting me, not sulking, not holding me afar, not saying, okay, it's okay, but I'll give you the silent treatment for a while. And going on a walk with me, just me and her, and I, d I never got the ice cream. <laughs> Didn't want the ice cream by then. Tart change. And, uh, and, and that's what happened. And I said to her as an adult, I've said to my mum, she lives in Bristol, and I said to her, do you know what, you don't hold grudges. I love that about you, mum. And she said, you know, one of the reasons I, I feel that I can't hold grudges is because my mum, my grandma, who died when I was about 10, again, had many admirable qualities, but she did hold grudges, my grandma. Okay. So my granddad used to do, you know, insignificant things wrong probably quite often. I think he was quite forgetful. Um, came home from work late when he said he'd be home at 6. He actually came home at 7, forgot to pick up the potatoes for dinner, just various other misdemeanors that are just slightly annoying. Um, and my grandma held it against him. My mum remembers as a child trying to cheer my mum up. She remembers as a seven-year-old trying to say to my mum, please love daddy. Oh, he didn't mean it, mummy. He didn't mean it. Please, please, please be okay with him again. Please just, please stop us all walking on eggshells while you get over this. It took days sometimes, days. I mean, I find that quite shocking until I think about my own behavior sometimes, and then I don't actually. And my mum is just a human with many failings, but you know, she has understood something of God's character in the way she behaves. She has. She has understood that her father has forgiven her completely and welcomes her with a lavish love. And so there is no room, there is no room at all for not treating people in the same way, for not loving. I mean, this father in our parable had every right every right to hold his son off and he doesn't and God has every right to say no to us but he brought Jesus to us to die for us and that's what the father's love is like and I think I want to say two things from this point I want to say if you're scared of coming back to God today if you feel you won't receive that welcome because maybe you have a parent who doesn't parent you like that or actually you maybe even have a spouse who does that or whatever then God's different and God will, will never reject a, a heartbroken and sorry for its sin. But also, I just, do you know, we need to love like this. You might think it's impossible, but it's not because God lives inside of you and we need to love like this. Okay? So I just wonder, and I actually, and I'm sure Isaac won't mind me saying this. Well, he won't because it reflects badly on me, not him, actually. When we first got married, I remember often feeling sulky about things. I remember often waiting and waiting until I was quite ready. 
to stop sulking and to be loving again. Okay, but there is no room for that because our Father holds no grudges with you. Okay, so just, just something to think about with our spouses and our children and our friends. Okay, oh my goodness, right, I need to really be quick with this one. Final point, very, very quickly, is about the oldest son. Um, the oldest son, he makes a crucial and very common mistake, really, um, and the mistake is, is that the better you are, the more you're loved. It's as simple as that, really, yeah? The better you are, um, the more accepted you are, and uh, I really want to be quick. So we're just going to go straight to Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. I have to remind myself of these verses often because, again, this is how the world works, isn't it? Yeah? The better you are, the more, the more you're loved. This is how it is with God. It is by grace you have been saved, by faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me read that again. It is by grace you've been saved by faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? Um, Even your ability to have faith in God is because of his grace to you. Okay? Even that is given by grace. Okay? Everything that you do for God is because he loved you first, and he has prepared good works for you to do. That's, That's great. That's great that that's true, that it's not that we just believe in him, but we just have to carry on battling and battling and sinning, and he has prepared great works for you to do, good works, Um, but it's because of his work, yeah? It's because of his work. You might have heard that many, many times, but actually, in your spirit, you still think, you still think you're better loved if you've done your quiet time this morning, and if you haven't done your quiet time this morning, then you're a little bit scared of coming to God this morning, because it might not be the same welcome as if you'd done it, okay? It is his work, and all the glory goes back to to him, so that we can never boast, and if you've done your quiet time this morning, great, but it's still his work, okay? Um, Okay, now, oh, it's 12 o'clock, are we okay? Yeah. All right, well, I've raced through that one, um, but I, I want to say as well that if we don't recognize that, just like the son didn't recognize that it wasn't him, it was his father's love that was the key, it actually makes it very, very difficult to accept people who you think have behaved badly. It's actually almost impossible. Um, I went out for dinner with Isaac last night, which was amazing. Again, thank you, Julie. So nice to, to talk to my husband again. Such a treat. And uh, he said, you know, Laura, I want you to share this because, um, because I think this will help. So I'm just going to share something he said. He said, my husband's a police officer, and my husband meets people who've done really horrible things, really, really horrible things that shock me all the time which shouldn't really shock me, actually, in some ways, but it does, it shocks me. And he finds it a battle all the time to, to understand that God accepts that murderer, that rapist, that child molester, just like he accepts you and me. It's very, very difficult, very difficult for Isaac to, to accept that. Okay? And I'm saying that because he wanted me to say that. But he does because Isaac believes and he knows it's not 
It's not up to Isaac being good and it's not up to us being good that God the Father stands alone and loving and um, has, has uh, accepted you, whatever you've done. He's accepted every person who is repentant and says, my heart is broken and sorry for my sin. I want to come back to you. He does. Um, and actually, I doubt it's maybe it's difficult for us in some ways to accept it because we don't meet the people that Isaac does on the everyday. I don't know, maybe you do actually. But actually, it can be very, very difficult in your own homes to do that. Every time you feel slighted by your spouse or your child or a friend, it can be very difficult to understand and to accept that you're not superior. It's just that you've been, you've been saved by faith, and, uh, and, and that's what it is. That's what saved you. Um, so, okay, so three points I've made. The first point being that if you, are, if you are way off and you're feeling the nudge of God right now, maybe you're not way off, but you know there is something in your life you need to get sorted before God now, then don't go any longer. Don't go for another week. Don't sort of think, I'll get it sorted next week at church. Now is the time. The second point is that when you come to God, the welcome you will receive is breathtakingly, amazingly, wonderfully. I, it's just, it's, he accepts you with open arms. He's seeking you from afar, just like that father does. Okay? There is a feast to be had. And thirdly, don't make the mistake the older son makes. Um, it's very, very easy for Christians to make that mistake very easy for pharisees who were listening to jesus i think they really sympathize probably with that older son well of course he's cross but don't because you need to remember if you want to love how how god loves you, you need to you need to know that it's it's faith in him that makes you right before him not your works um i wonder do we have time for the band to come back or do we not pray and that's it okay lovely let's not do that then Brilliant. I'm going to, if we stand up together though, that would be good. <clears throat> Lovely. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe we could have our arms stretched out. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Lord God. Lord, we come to you knowing that your arms are wide open for us knowing that you are welcoming us, Lord, knowing that we don't need to be fearful of you and that you have completely paved the way for us to come back to you. And Lord, we pray for hearts that are moldable and we pray for hearts that are, that are broken over our sin. But we pray for, uh, for hearts that know that coming back to you is the, is the solution for all our needs. Lord, and I pray for whatever place we're in right now, that you might speak to us, Lord, and that you might show us, Lord, that to be close to you is the best thing, is the best thing for us. Lord, we pray just as David prayed in Psalm 51, that you might create a pure heart within us, and that you might renew a steadfast spirit within us, Lord. Yeah. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thanks.